Welcome back, climbers. I'm your co-host, Kaylee Floyd, and this is another episode of Climbing Mount CMMC. Today, Bobby is joined by Karen Stanford. Karen is the president and founder of Archstone Security. She has also been working in FedRAMP Consulting since the beginning. We are so excited for her to share her knowledge and insight with us today, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us once again on our journey of climbing Mount CMMC. We're joined today with Karen Stanford. Um, Karen, now you've got a lot of experience dealing in the FedRAMP environment. Can you talk a little bit about how you might see your experience being perhaps you know, valuable and also different in the CMMC space? Because you're going to be seeing a lot of introduction from the SMB community as they're being kind of forced either kicking or screaming into this space. <laughs> I have largely been working in the FedRAMP space since its inception. I started in, I think, 2014 when FedRAMP was new and worked with uh, COFAR, which was at that time Veris Group, to do mm-hmm. uh, multiple both assessments as well as advisory work for clients who are seeking FedRAMP accreditation. So uh, I have an understanding as to what uh, the government and a little bit more specifically the DOD, since they are on the joint advisory board and they have played a part in accepting some of the interpretations that we're looking at in CMMC, they have already decided some of that. So, um, you know, I'm happy to help bring any experience I can to the table with respect to uh, how do you test a control? What are, what are your assessors looking for? And what is a sufficient implementation for this control? So I'll probably help out the CMMC space with that. So when you're seeing, um, this influx of, of different types of people that are going to be getting assessed, right? Because CMMC is, yeah. is, is different than FedRAMP. Can you talk a little bit about some of those differences and how you see uh, maybe some, some pain points in those differences and how they start to, to merge together? Because a lot of the assessors that are going to be participating, just like yourself, in these CMMC assessments, they're not going to be FedRAMP companies. They're not going to be those types of the, the, their thoughts and processes and practices are going to be different than what perhaps you might be used to, right? Absolutely. And I think that a lot of the organizations that we find seeking um, support in this realm are those who are a little bit more in manufacturing, who may not even, you know, IT is not their thing. They don't understand IT. They have a network. That's about all they all they know about it. Uh, they're completely unfamiliar with any of the federal requirements, and they don't really understand um you know, what to do with the CUI that they're using in the workshop, you know, what's good enough there. And that's also an area that uh, 800-171 is a great IT framework for, you know, for basic cybersecurity hygiene. However, it's really short on the physical controls that you need to assess in an environment that's manufacturing. So I think that that's a big area of opportunity in this space. And I really empathize with any of those organizations who are manufacturing or working with machine equipment, have big, large workshops with open windows and open bays that uh, that don't really understand what they need to do here. So I think that there's um, I think there's room for a little more guidance for, for those folks off the, off the top of my head. I think that's one area that I think um, we really need a bit, a bit more understanding as to what we would, we would do as an assessor when we walk into a workshop, you know, how, how good is a gate? How good is a, you know, these are sorts of things where we understand how to protect your firewall, but not necessarily your perimeter of your, right. <laughs> you know, is it a, mm-hmm. is a chain link fence good enough? Does it need to be eight feet? eight feet right feet. yeah you know we don't we don't really know that so i think that's almost tough. that case law of like history of of proof of this is past the mustard and and some of that stuff yeah. has just not really been made very clear and it has not 
Yeah, and then I think when that, you have but, SMB organizations that are coming in that don't have the chops, like you're saying, experience could be challenging, right? For sure. And I think that there are one of the big stumbling blocks that folks have is that we in the federal space really understand the language. We know what a control means. Um, and I think these folks for the first time, and you also see it distributed throughout the United States where federal cybersecurity has been largely focused around the DC metro area, because that's where all the governments are. And a lot of the companies that work there have a presence there, or work in the government have a presence there. And uh, so now we've got organizations who've never had to deal with any federal cybersecurity mm -hmm. requirements who are trying to find local vendors who can help them who also don't know a lot about this. So I think that anything we could do to try to share the word about this is what you need to do, this is, you know, this is how you need to try to think about it and approach it would really benefit that community. So that's really why I'd like to help out with this. Well, great. Uh, so let's get into a more pointed question. And one sure. of the things that I'd shared with you off camera before we started the recording was just about how much I appreciated you being very transparent in this process, <laughs> because as we were starting our journey a few years ago, you know, I was posting on LinkedIn, asking questions, and you were very transparent and sharing uh, perspectives when a lot more people were tight lipped because they just didn't feel comfortable kind of going on record and speaking about some of those things. Um, right. One of those things that uh, for a managed service provider like myself that is going to be struggling with is vulnerability scanning and assessment and, and wrapping all of this into a compliance plan for a client. You, you mentioned about the fact that, you know, these organizations are going to be looking for vendors like ourselves. So what are some things that as an assessor, you're going to, you're going to hold the you know, organization who's going to be going for the uh, certification as well as IT companies that are going to be helping those organizations. Can you kind of talk about vulnerability scanning and some of the challenges and how that, um, you know, how that might play out and some things that, that they should probably know when they're taking that challenge on. Sure. So I think one thing to make folks aware of right off the bat is that with the new revision of 800-171, um, there are some organizationally defined parameters introduced to the vulnerability scanning controls. So what that means is that uh, there is a parameter in the control, I think it's 311-2, uh, well, there actually, there's three. There's three parameters in there that, that you basically need to have defined for you. So we are waiting to see how that will occur for the DIB. It may be that missions publish their own minimal um, minimal standards for CUI in, say, the DOD or the, the you know Coast Guard or whatever. They may publish something uh, specific to the mission, or we might find that that uh, the DOD publishes a set of CUI organizationally defined parameters mm -hmm. um, to follow. So the three that you need to look at for vulnerability scanning that we don't know anything about yet, we don't know what that requirement will be, uh, is how often you scan. Right. Uh, so the first thing you need to do is figure out how frequently you scan. And my recommendation here, I mean, starting with FedRAMP, which is the most extreme, and I would not recommend at all <laughs> the FedRAMP uh, scanning uh, requirements for this CUI mm -hmm. program uh, because it's a little bit too restrictive. But, uh, you know, the most stringent that you see is uh, that you patch every 30 days uh, using fully credentialed scan and mm -hmm. uh, you scan all of the network components. Um, so that would be the most stringent. Um, but I would say, you know, for CMMC, somewhere between monthly and quarterly would probably be a little bit more appropriate. We don't know yet what, you know, what right. the DOD will say is too much, but I would say monthly to quarterly, probably leaning a little bit more towards quarterly uh, to conduct a full credential vulnerability scan on all the components that house or process or transmit or store CUI. Mm -hmm. um, 
And the easiest way to kind of figure that out is if you get to your vulnerability scanner within your information system boundary and just draw like an end map or a ping or, you know, anything you can ping basically from within the boundary probably should be scanned because that right. is an attack vector into the infrastructure. So, can I, can I ask you a yeah. question specifically because with, uh, so, so the organizational defined values were, is, is in the new version of Rev3, right? That's going to be yes. coming out. Now the it's current not, one, yeah, the current one Rev2 doesn't have organizationally defined values, <laughs> but it, whether they're there or not, the interval is not yet defined, right? Uh, whether you, <laughs> that's, so that mystery is still there. Yeah, all the organizations are like, what do we say? What do we pick? What do we do? Right. And it's all, this is where I think to, to allude to your earlier point where people are not confident in what they're going to say is that there's no baseline yet for this framework. So um, I have been advising my, my customers right now to do monthly or quarterly. And if things change, you can obviously dial that back. But just to get into the door, monthly or quarterly would be good. Right. Um, so that's my recommendation on that. And then the, the second piece that's the new organizationally defined parameter is what you do when you get those findings. So how quickly do you fix a high? How mm -hmm. quickly do you fix a low? You know, what, what do you do with those? So, um, you know, again, the FedRAMP ones, which are pretty stringent are that you patch, uh, highs or criticals within 30 days. Um, I believe it's moderates within, uh, 90 and then, uh, low or informational within 180. So again, that is probably too much patching for an organization, uh, that is not dealing with, um, you know, anything that is strictly federal data other than CUI. Right. right. So, so um, I would say, you know, my recommendations on what to specifically put in as your parameters on this one would be a little bit, you know, my, my first recommendation is that you subscribe to the known exploited vulnerabilities uh, alerting. So this mm -hmm. is an exploit that is uh, tracked by MITRE. It's a CVE that would pop in your scan. Uh, but it's known to have been exploited in the, and usually when that happens, there's some sort of automated attack against it that can be used by a tool. So right, uh, right. monitor those and, and patch those as quickly as you can. I typically want, you know, organizations to do it within a week, just because why leave yourself open, you know? Right. So I would say uh, subscribe to that and patch with the patch, anything that's a known exploited vulnerability that pops as quickly as you can. So define that parameter pretty tight. Mm -hmm. uh, but then highs and criticals are also pretty important. So, you know, I would I would stick with the 30 days that FedRAMP has on the highs and criticals, right. but the rest, I think there's some room there for for adjusting the way you do this. So, um, mm. you okay. know, you could you could create parameters that uh, and you're allowed to do all of this. What you want to do as an organization who is trying to become, you know, trying to become accredited is to define what you do and to follow that process. Right. So if, you know, if you've got a network segment that is completely air gapped, maybe you have a different policy for that. And you want to ensure that, you know, me as an assessor, I want to come in and say, okay, I, I like how you've set this up. Um, this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. Um, and then I just want to see that you're actually doing it. Right. So the uh, pudding. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I would say highs and criticals, known exploits, you know, you really want to patch those pretty quickly. And then after that, I mean, it's possible I've worked with, there's multiple agencies in the, in the civilian space that don't even patch loads just because it's such a churn, right. you know, and it's like, mm. they're low, they're informational. Also, depending on where the component within your, uh, you know, where in the architecture is this component? Is it, is it, um, you know, not accessible to the public? Well, that changes its risk rating. So, right. um, so I would say, you know, you really want to focus on those highs or, or, or um, highs criticals or known exploits and then relax a little bit after that and try to try to carve out some 
you know, if you're, if you're experiencing a lot of problems with one specific component, then, you know, figure out your risk approach for managing that component. And it doesn't necessarily need to involve patching. So one of the things that is interesting that hasn't, in my opinion, had as much clarity that would be great is you have uh, the strategy of scoping. So for those that may not know exactly what that means is basically you might have an organization of perhaps 100 assets and users in that. And you might say, OK, well, only a half or a quarter of my organization is really going to be exposed to this. So you would scope it sorted down. But there's some assumptions on enterprise type implementations. Would you consider vulnerability scanning something that you would like to see as an assessor coming in that would be organizationally wide, not scope just a piece? But, you know, what's your thoughts about that? I think it's always in your best interest from the perspective of that once anyone in your organization, you know, we're talking about CUI right now, but you could have intellectual property that you right. have on a different server that you want to protect. So I always remember, you know. Uh, what you see in this framework are basic cyber hygiene things that I really do recommend that, you know, you try to implement across the board. Uh, for this framework, we really only care about your CUI, but as a as a cybersecurity practitioner, I'm always going to recommend that you do manage mm -hmm. vulnerabilities and stuff like that at your, across your enterprise. So there's no, other but stuff if there, to protect. If someone, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I only want to do the bare minimum, not a great attitude, as I think we can both agree on, yeah. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but they're like, I don't want to uh, you know, do some of these specific controls and vulnerability. Scanning is something that can generate a lot of work for organizations to go through and clean it up. And, and they're very tempted to say, you know what, I'm going to stay within this scope only. Do you feel that mm -hmm. that would be a situation where there would be some frowning but still met? Or would you say not met? It's a tough call. It's a tough I'm, call, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of in the camp. I mean, in watching organizations attempt, like I just recommended, I have one client that just got, you know, I, they, I think they just passed their DIPCAC audit, but they, um, I recommended FedRAMP. You know, I was like, just go with the FedRAMP parameters. Nobody's going to give you a hard time over the FedRAMP parameters. But what they learned was that there was a huge amount of effort in, in, in scanning and patching yeah. that they were unprepared for. And this was a, a managed service provider uh, supported so that they basically every time that they needed to have anything scanned or patched, they needed to pay an hourly rate. Right. And uh, so that, you know, quickly becomes a, Hey, how can we, how can we tailor this down to make it a little bit more effective? So, right. um, you know, that's where I always say, make sure you're doing the known exploited vulnerabilities and then perhaps you do the highs and criticals. Um, and, or you have a different, if you diff, you have a different, uh, maybe you scan, um, you know, perhaps you scan for highs criticals and, and do those, remediate those on a monthly basis, but you do a whole enterprise system scan with all of the components only annually. Right. And, yeah. and try to do it from that. So there's, you know, there's ways you can play with your parameters, but you absolutely want to see, like the objective of the control is to ensure that all the software components within your environment are patched and not vulnerable to exploit. Right. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. And what we want to see, you know, what I want to see is that you have a reasonable, well, you know, well, well-defined process to do it and you understand when you're doing it. And then I'll look at it to see, is this actually going to address your risk? So, you know, if we look at the known exploited uh, vulnerabilities, I, th I think there's like over 200,000 CVEs. Oh, it's crazy. And yeah, yeah CVEs are what, um, you know, what the vulnerability scanner is, is evaluating. And of that only, I think, uh, over, like, I think it's like less than 1100 have actually ever been exploited. So that, you know, that's your, your fuel, I think, to say maybe we shouldn't be scanning everything as much. Not all of these are as high a risk. Right. However, that being said, uh, 
the DOD is going to be very adverse to risk. <laughs> you know, like if, if they're asked a question, should we do option A or option B and option B is more secure, they're more likely to go with that. So, um, well, and so I, I think, think that's going to encourage them to start doing overlays to kind of force the hand of yeah. things. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But okay. when you're dealing with uh, managed service providers like us, and they are providing technical controls around vulnerability scanning. What are mm-hmm. things that you see are going to be challenging for an MSP? What are some things that you may be concerned that they may be doing wrong? Um, just some insight you could share about that. Sure. I think one of the there's two big things that we will find uh, uh, when you go into an organization that's new to this and is trying to set up their vulnerability scanning. And the first is that they're not using credentialed scans. So you really want to ensure that when you're running a vulnerability scan on your infrastructure, you, you're doing it as an admin because they have the means to read settings with right. those credentials that you don't see with the uh, you know, with the uncredentialed. So I always recommend that you do credentialed scanning. And uh, the other thing that you'll often find is that organizations are just doing external only. They're only caring about what they can get from the outside. And that is also not the best approach. So you really want to be doing internal credentialed scanning. And uh, my advice would be that anything that you can ping from within your CUI environment, any component um, is a candidate for for being, you know, scanned. And I Mm -hmm. think from there you want to tailor it. So if you have some printers, uh, maybe you scan the printer and and horrible things happen. That's where it starts to spit out a lot of different things. They'll freak out. You know, and maybe, I think another issue is that a lot of these components are, they can't be patched. There's some little library within, you know, the printer and there's no patch issued by the vendor, you know? So I think you need to understand what you're looking at and patch what you can. And then after that, if they're static components, maybe you take them out. Mm-hmm. of your scanning cycle or you only do them manually. But I think those are the two big ones that uh, you see the most often. And then another is not included. You know, I think I kind of started that, but not including the right components. So again, anything that stores processes or transmits CUI really should care about if those are patched and, and being managed appropriately. So that's, I think, my, my best advice there. So for managed service providers like ourselves, we like to use tools. We like to bring tools in from outside. And Mm -hmm. uh, there has right now at the time of this recording, we're actually doing very well as far as recording things in advance. The ruling has yet to come out, but that might be changing when it finally drops next year, which is when this recording has been happening. So it is entirely possible that we might get some insight that says, hey, this type of information of these scans may be considered sensitive. Can you talk to those type of concerns about tools and things that MSP should be aware of? I can, and this does touch on something else that I'm not sure I'm not sure they'll address in this upcoming rule of making, but it's going to become an issue. Um, and there's some, you know, there's a parallel in FedRAMP in that uh, when you talk about what CUI, what's federal data in the FedRAMP world, uh, they basically uh, for FedRAMP they do believe that your scan results and that your audit data is federal data. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, anything that it sits on, resides on, you know, is in scope for the assessment. And there's been no such ruling like that for um, for CMMC. However, if it does go the way that FedRAMP went, that would mean that, for example, if you're using a security operations center and you're porting your logs over to them, well, that data, you know, in the FedRAMP, the way it shook out FedRAMP is that that's federal data. So now yeah. 
it's sitting in an unmanaged environment. So that vendor would need to become accredited as well. So we don't know how that's going to go yet. But I think that if I were doing anything like, you know, the, the two big things to wonder about are scan data and audit data. And mm -hmm. I think those are the most likely to leave the boundary because most folks are like, I'll just pay someone to do that for me. So mm -hmm. uh, to get around that, you can always ensure that the data stays within and that you have folks coming in on VDIs to look at it or do their thing. Uh, but those are considerations I think managed service providers should be looking at now. Are we yeah. pulling the data that could potentially become federal? And if so, are we ready to do CMC, CMMC ourselves? Great point, Karen. Yeah, that's so, so true because you could find yourself in some pretty hot water that if you've already gotten clients that have uh, gone very well down the journey and then the ruling mm -hmm. drops and it's very clearly providing that security protection data, I think was the leaked document that had reference to yes. that type of information. Yes, I they forgot could, about that. You know, they, they <laughs> could they could potentially say, okay, well, you know, this tool that you have that's cloud only is now off the table uh, because you can't utilize yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And, and to the cloud only point, you know, there's the requirement that these solutions be FedRAMPs. And that's where I think, you know, absent the designation of audit data or scan data as CUI uh, or federal data, that's just what needs to be clarified. And I think you, you hit upon the point mm -hmm. where they're going. The draft was leaked and it does seem that that's the way they're going as well. So, yeah, yeah it's it's really something to think about now. And uh, my advice for anyone who's doing it is just try to keep it, you know, until we know, keep it within the boundary of the organization Good that, point. You are, yeah. um, that you're that's that, that's seeking accreditation. So how could you let's talk to some strategies about that? Um, you know, I know we're kind of running a little bit uh, long on time, but can, can we just quickly talk on some strategies about how you might be able to do those scans and boundary? Uh, you, you talked about providing you know, access to external contractors to, through a VDI solution or something, but to mm -hmm. be able to try to keep data still and boundary. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um... So I guess there's two ways to go. One would be to use a FedRAMP accredited service uh, to do this. Okay. And unfortunately, those usually come with a big price tag. Right. <laughs> so that's not, always, uh, that's not always an option for a lot of organizations. So if you are able to get with one of the external SOCs that has a FedRAMP accreditation, you just, you're fine. You, know, you can just use that. But uh, other than that, there's just a few different ways. I mean, one, you could provision the, a, a laptop to your to your vendor who's providing your scanning or your monitoring or your mm -hmm. auditing. Um, or you can establish a virtual desktop where they just go into a VDI, uh, authenticate to the tool. And that's another thing. You want to keep the tools themselves within the boundary if possible. So um, that doesn't work great for some SOCs where... Uh, all of the tools, they have a lot of high-level uh, detection and analysis tools, and they're all within their boundary. And it's really the easiest for them to pull right. that data in and use it. You know, So those are the folks I think especially would want to seek accreditation themselves. But uh, for the most part, then I think you know, really you just want to ensure that uh, you either provision a user to come in and be uh, you know, basically be an employee within your organization, even though they're, they're from another company, and they're doing the work from within your network. Now, I, I've heard of uh, organizations using Microsoft Sentinel and keeping the data inside the yep. client's uh, container and even standing up maybe a GCC or GCC high container and using mm -hmm. Sentinel to then grab even local data and ingesting it, but still keeping it in their assessed container as they go through their assessment. And that all happens. And that, yeah. um, you know, there's some some interesting possibilities that, that organizations are trying to work through, but there isn't a good playbook that, you, hey, let's just go look at this document or word, you know, or yeah. how 80 other people have done it. Like this is all sort of, 
you know, everybody's inventing the wheel, you know, at the same time and, and cutting yeah. your teeth and going through this. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, different ways of doing this and, and not all that super clear. How do you, how do you suggest people try to cut their teeth and understand strategies and, and, and ways of trying to get around this? What are some pointers that you could suggest to them to, to, to think about it or try to attack this? Um, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, if you're an MSP who's trying to understand what you need to do, or even if you're an organization seeking accreditation and you're trying to understand what to do, I think you need to understand what tools you need and where they're going to live. We talked a little bit about that, but uh, I think typically organizations don't have, as you mentioned, uh, a SIM capability or a SOAR or an XDR. Those are all vulnerability management, uh, not uh, incident data, auditing, mm-hmm. logging, et cetera. So, um, you need to look at what you need. So most organizations are going to need something like Sentinel. Sentinel's great. I've worked with it and it's pretty easy to use, pretty easy to set up, pretty easy to configure. So um, you need to understand what tools you're going to need. And then you're going to need to figure out how to architect your solution to support them, to keep that data in the boundary or uh, to, to identify vendors that you don't need to worry about that. Right. So I think that's one of the chief things to Good do is point. just figure out what you need to buy. You know, and I, again, I think the two, you know, Multi-factor is another one, <laughs> but but that typically doesn't involve any architecture changes. But right. but I think you know those the two that could potentially involve an architecture change would be your scanning and your SIM capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are big ones, and I think a lot of people are so used to doing them through. Uh, well-defined products that have been out for a long time, but have not been fed ramp or haven't gone through all of that, that all just disappears immediately as you step into that CMMC environment. And you really have to start thinking, Oh my gosh, these rules of engagement are different. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and the players are different. Some, and in some cases, how how do we accomplish this? And that's great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you shooting straight and sharing your perspectives Mm -hmm. and, and having that fed ramp experience, because I think a lot of what DOD is going to be thinking is, is through that lens. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of that starts getting overlaid and, and applied, uh, you know, over time, if not through some of the ruling that we're going to see. So thank you so much for joining us, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Well, for, for all of y'all that are just tuning in, um, this is your first episode. Go back and look at some of the other ones. We've got some great people that we've already had, and we've got many more to come. We really appreciate you joining us today and we'll see you next time. Make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube to stay up to date on the latest CMMC news. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and listen out for the next one. But until then, keep on climbing.